enjoy, the more relevant question right now is, is there enough people who want this to be able to support your model financially? Hi, I'm Daphne Howland. And I'm Ben Unglesby. We're senior reporters with Retail Dive, and this is our podcast where we break down the biggest industry news and trends. And talk about some of the things that don't always make it into our stories. This is The Backroom. But first, a word from our sponsor. AI enables retailers to generate a holistic view of the consumer. This insight can help tailor return policies to drive desired shopper behaviors or to deter abuse and fraud online and in-store. Learn more at aprisretail.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Backroom. Today, Ben and I are talking about his coverage of Enjoy Technology, which was founded several years ago now by none other than Ron Johnson. The title that you often see in front of Ron Johnson's name is Retail Guru or Stores Guru, because he kind of made his name, I think, originally when Apple stores were first developing their whole gleaming service heavy genius bar vibe. And then, of course, Ron Johnson moved over to JCPenney. So, Ben, you've written both about Enjoy lately, but also a lot about JCPenney. So I feel like there's going to be a lot to talk about here today. Yeah. So Enjoy Technology is kind of the brainchild of Johnson. He's the CEO and and founder. I think it was founded in 2014. It launched operations in 2015. The idea behind it is to create sort of a new retail channel that bridges the gap between e-commerce and stores by bringing sort of a store experience and, and the level of customer service you get with a human being and a store right into the person's house and, and basically bringing a store into a house so you can give a customer expertise, you can upsell them, you can you can do installations. And so all, all the things you can't get from sort of a digital experience at someone's, you know, in, in a convenient, comfortable place for the customer. And so we're talking, we're talking about Enjoy Technology because they're not doing well right now. They're running out of cash. They just went public last year. They're facing a potential bankruptcy, at, at least at the time that we're having this conversation. But before we get into Enjoy, it might be worthwhile to kind of go back and talk a little bit about Ron Johnson, um, just because I think, he, I mean, he's an interesting figure in retail. And his, his history of both, you know, in Apple's retail operations and, and as CEO of JCPenney, I mean, they're both are pretty famous within within the industry, wouldn't you say, Daphne? I think, yeah, I think they're both famous. I'm not really clear on how much of the Apple phenomenon, you know, can be traced back to any specific ideas from Johnson. Do you, are you aware of you know, <laughs> I, I, I was hoping, you know, because that, that was before I started covering retail. I mean, everyone was sort of gaga over over the Apple store. I mean, I think in terms just in terms of like sales per square foot, it's one of the most productive retail operations around. And everyone kind of wanted to be make their stores like like the Apple store. What all specifically Ron Johnson had to do with that, I, I don't know. But I, I, I mean, I think he was was sitting at the top of the chain as it was kind of growing and becoming this sort of retail icon. That, that's my impression anyway. 
So if you look at the Apple store, the question remains, who built that bridge between Apple and JCPenney? How did the JCPenney board decide that this is what they needed? Apple famously does not really discount its products. I mean, you can buy a refurbished, you know, laptop. They have educational discounts, but they don't have sales and, you know, coupons or anything like that. Whereas JCPenney famously, and this is one of Ron Johnson's most drastic changes, JCPenney is kind of famous for always having discounts. I mean, that price on the price tag is rarely, if ever, the price that the customer pays. And he came in and rather than kind of piloting different merchandising tactics or setting up a test store the way a lot of retailers do, he came in and just said, this is the new JCPenney, no more discounts. We're just going to lower the price in the first place. And people lost it. And Ron Johnson lost it in it being his job because I think he was gone within two years. It did. Yeah. I mean, it did so badly. I mean, their comparable sales for the year when Johnson, you know, was was in there making the changes fell by like 25%. That's a jaw dropping drop. And it's rough for a retailer that's already in trouble and trying to turn around. Right. And and then they posted net losses of 795 million in 2012, 1.3 billion in 2013. And a lot of that I think is attributed to the decline in their sales as as customers are reacting to these changes. And you could make the case that the debt that they needed to fund those losses because they were so staggeringly high in such a short amount of time, that debt stayed with them. <laughs> and you can attribute some of their bankruptcy probably to, to debt that JCPenney took on during the, the Ron Johnson era. So I saw Ron Johnson speak at the NRF big show a couple years ago, pre-pandemic, and he basically owned it and said, you know, that didn't work. I didn't, I didn't understand. It just wasn't a good fit. What I was trying to do was not a good fit for the culture at JCPenney or just, you know, I, I didn't think it through. And so arguably his founding of Enjoy is maybe a return to that higher end Apple, more Apple-ish customer, but even more so because the Enjoy customer does not want to leave their home. They don't even want to go to an Apple store. They want Enjoy to come to them. And they sell Apple products. And I don't know if that's thanks to, I'm sure he had Apple in mind. I mean, it, it, it's it's a logical fit if, if Enjoy is going to search out, you know, electronics brands, partners. But Enjoy is not like an Apple exclusive dealer. Do they sell like, you know, stereo equipment and how, what's the range? So they sell multiple brands. The two biggest were, um, were Apple and AT&T. And the company has said that it sees opportunities in other retail categories like luxury, beauty, home fitness, and, and, and a handful of other categories. So they saw an opportunity. To, it, it, the model probably lends itself well to, to electronics. Because, you know, there's something where you maybe have a conversation if you're a customer. Some customers will go out and do all the research that they possibly can and decide what they want and walk into a store and buy it. But a lot of us <laughs> just, just we, we want our hands held. <laughs> like it's just too much, too much information. Well, and, you know, there's another retailer who has figured that out. 
and that is Best Buy. Isn't this what the Geek Squad does? Or even just their delivery yeah. guys. I mean, when we got our TV, right. they came in and did all the plugging that you have to do and showed us how the r- ridiculous remote works and stuff like that. That is a great service, but it's not a lug, doesn't feel luxury, I guess, until you're talking about products that are very expensive. And Best Buy, when you know, as, as I was researching Enjoy, Best Buy jumped right into my head as a, as a possible competitor because they, ha- they have. They've been leaning into their services generally. They've been leaning into their at-home services. At-home services are potential sales opportunities for Best Buy. And I think Enjoy sees itself as a partner for brands and retailers or may- maybe being an at-home retailer that works with a bunch of different brands like a store but a store that comes to your house so and and they're you know right now they are they don't make their money in the traditional way that a retailer does um they don't buy inventory and then sell it they contract directly with the brands and get paid for for their services and and take inventory on on consignment but yeah i think i think enjoys ideas that ultimately it can expand into a bunch of different brands and really specialize in this at-home type of retail. So you use the word opportunity a bunch of times that the company sees opportunity here and there, but that is actually a question at the forefront of my mind. What is the opportunity here? This sounds very niche. And if they are sort of hoping to get through this financial pickle that they're in and survive long enough to reach scale, you know, did you get any sense from analysts or anyone whether scale is even possible for a retail service hybrid like this? Yeah. I mean, and that, that was one of the big questions I asked. And, and one of the analysts I talked to was like, well, yeah, anything can work at the right scale, but, but can you get there? And, uh, and, and how soon? The way that Enjoy sort of sees its target consumer, well, they say they're, they're consumers almost everyone, but they point specifically to millennials and Gen Z, to busy parents, which makes a lot of sense, perhaps. They, they might have the, one of the biggest needs for something like this, remote workers and you know maybe professionals and people who aren't super tech savvy. So, so maybe... People, I mean, people like me <laughs> who are who are luddites, or or people who are just aren't as as comfortable with shopping for for technology. But yeah, I mean, it's it, it it's a big question of how many people actually want to bring a salesperson into their home because, you know, if you're at a store and you don't like what someone's selling, you can just walk away. I mean, that's one of the questions that just comes to my mind. But for Enjoy, the more relevant question right now is, is there enough people who want this to be able to support your model financially? Because you're talking about packing inventory in a truck and driving it from house to house. And, you know, people talk about how expensive like uh, the last mile is. Well, here you're not just dropping things off at at a doorstep, though they do offer what's called like a smart smart last mile service for, for, for the brands they work with, but you're talking about individual consultations. And I mean, if you think about how productive a store employee is, they can help several different customers inside of, you know, five, 10, 20 minutes. Well, here you have to drive, (laughs) drive the store from one customer's house to another customer's house to another, another customer's house. And it's a question of, 
is if you're pulling in enough revenue to make all your your salary expenses, your now your fuel expenses, and because that's one of their issues, is fuel is just spiking to make the model actually actually work. You know, I don't know when the last time Ron Johnson was in an Apple store. I mean, presumably there was a time in his life when he was at Apple stores all the time. But if you go to an Apple store, those places are super crowded. And a lot of the people there are definitely yeah. not tech savvy. They're there to either take classes or workshops or get advice about their specific, you know, whatever's happening with their specific device. Apple has done a really good job of setting up appointments. They've got their, you know, concierge. There's always someone with a tablet or I should say an iPad right there at the store checking you in. It's very efficient and they've gotten all those people to drive to them. It seems to work well. So another question I have is, is Ron Johnson trying to disrupt something that seems to be working for both the customer and the retailer, in this case, Apple? I mean, Ron, you know, in a promotional video for the brand, I mean, Ron Johnson says they are the next sort of big disruption in commerce. So Enjoy sees itself as as filling a gap. E-commerce doesn't have the service that you need because you go on a website, you click a button for the product that you want, and it comes to your door without any human interaction in between, usually. And retail, you get that, but you don't have the convenience of online shopping. So they are trying to merge convenience and service into the same channel. I mean, it's potentially a great idea, but is it economically viable, I think, is, is the underlying question. I mean, who wouldn't want an entire store to, to come to their house a lot of days? I mean, it does be, I mean, it, in general, it's better to have someone do the work for you than, than do the work. But can can the economics of it work out is i think is the question hanging over enjoy technology not necessarily well i mean some people clearly want it and you know maybe a dozen and a half markets at least at at last count they were profitable but i think there's many more markets where where they haven't been i think that kind of underscores the question of whether this is a niche uh, a successful but niche idea it sort of reminds me of Stitch Fix, which I think mm. Stitch Fix, um, which is now doing traditional e-commerce as well, um, partly because they, I think they've had trouble scaling their styling service. And in their case, you sign up, you pay 20 bucks for a box of clothes that you are, that you may very well return because someone else picked, picked them out. And that service has a lot of fans but not enough to scale. So I guess there's a question of when is a niche idea good enough? And in that case, is that at a scale that sort of pleases the public markets or is it better off as a private company? I do think that's an interesting comparison because, yeah, you have Stitch Fix trying to mesh e-commerce with something kind of like the uh, experience you get when you walk into a full service, maybe luxury department store like like Nordstrom. But yeah, it, and, and, they, and they do have their struggles too. One of the issues enjoys 
uh, suffered too is just lack of availability of product. And it's come at a tough time, especially with the with the iPhone release. They, they did not get as many as planned. That means lost sales. And that happened as they're beefing up their their presence, adding warehouses, adding trucks, adding workers in anticipation of expansion and greater sales. So they they expanded their cost base, but they didn't have enough supply. So their sales came in short. And so their losses just ballooned. And some of that, some of that might be a temporary setback, but they're, they're, they're pretty just about out of money at last check-in they said that they had enough cash to get through june we're having this conversation on june 24th um so june's almost over and and enjoy hasn't said anything since and they've they've burned through uh two cfos in a couple of months their permanent left and then their intern left and anyone who follows distressed retail I mean, it could be it could be uh, an unfortunate coincidence, but very often with companies in distress, we see the CFO leave, and it's usually a red, big red flag. So the real disruption right now in retail, if someone can just figure it out, I think it's in with that supply chain. It's a challenge for retailers, sort of at every level. But if your promise is, you know, these very specific higher end product categories and you you can't get your hands on them, I mean, that is really rough. Yeah. And it it really wreaked havoc on their finances. I mean, just in less than a year. So they enjoy technology. It's been private for most of its life. It went public last year through a merger with a SPAC. Almost instantly, it started falling short of its sales targets. And, you know, you see analysts go from, you know, agreeing that this is the next big disruptor in retail to just being concerned that it's not even going to survive and, uh, and investors could lose, lose everything. Uh, so it was, it, it was a, it's been a very quick turnaround, but, but that that's also the case that we've seen with a lot of e-commerce companies. And we've talked about this in the past, a lot of the ones that have gone public, well, they're, they don't have a history of profitability. Everything is kind of a bet on growth and scale. And if you're if you're making losses already, and then you run into you run into sales disruptions or you know further profit disruptions, well, I mean you just don't have as much wriggle room to uh, to to survive something like that. So some, a lot of the the you know stock darlings. It's a bet. <laughs> I mean, it's it, they can be risky bets. I have to think. So they're having supply issues and your basic bread and butter money issues, and this is happening. That June deadline that they said is coming at a time. I mean, I just wrote a story about the consumer, lower income and middle income consumers are are really starting to pull back on the stuff that they don't need to spend money on. And electronics is one of the categories where they're pulling back, which is Exactly. Not, not and good. Add, <laughs> add a layer of sort of luxury concierge service and you know, Wells Fargo, I think it was Wells Fargo analysts were saying, you know, it's it's hitting the lower middle, that's already clear, but pressure's going to get more intense on higher income consumers as well. So it's that conversation of no, we don't need to get takeout. No, we don't need to get the premium gas. I don't know. And no, we don't need to get 
enjoy to do it, we can just go to the Apple store. I mean, some of these customers might still buy the same products if they can get it. They might just not opt for this extra level of being taken care of. They're going to choose price over convenience. Yeah. I mean, it starts to get obvious if 20 bucks here, 50 bucks there, $100 there starts to make a difference for consumers at any income level. You know, it, it's just kind of econ 101. We're probably going to see this dynamic play out with with more companies because, yeah, you, ha- you have all these things sort of going on at, at the same time. You have a pullback in consumer discretionary spending because if everyone's dealing with gas prices and, and food prices spiking, you have companies that are seeing their own costs still increasing because we're still working through supply chain backups. So freight is still expensive, it's still expensive to get supply and products, and there's still shortages in some cases. So you might have to spend a lot to get goods or you can't get the goods you need to make the revenue you need. Customers are pulling back. Oh, and hey, <laughs> also, the Fed just raised interest rates. So if you're a company that's struggling for cash and you need capital, that's going to be harder to get. And that that's playing out in a, in a dramatic way for, for Enjoy. But, um, you know, it's it also happened with Revlon, which filed for bankruptcy last week. It was having a heck of a time getting products. It had to close down one or two factories of um, all it, three factories had either closed or were on the verge of closing because it couldn't acquire enough ingredient inventory for production. It's behind on its on fulfilling orders to its retail customers because it's getting outbid for for ingredients by competitors. Consumer spending is iffy. Supply is hard to get and expensive, and capital markets are shaky, and interest rates are going up. So capital is harder to get if you need you know, need to refinance or need some kind of liquidity option. So it's a convergence of factors that's going to put some some people through through more pain than we've seen since uh, since 2020, probably. We're at a moment where being a dollar store is probably an advantage in the industry compared to being a, a sort of service oriented retailer like Enjoy. So they're they're basically on the verge do you have any sense of what the rest of June or, or the these coming months is going to look like for them? I really don't. And, you know, again, I, I asked around. You know, so Ron Johnson has loaned the company $10 million to try and sort of help them through this hump. So he's, you know, he's put his money where his mouth is. This is kind of his baby. He's trying to keep it afloat until it can figure out what its, what its options are. The company is reviewing its strategic options. I think a sale of the company is included in that, but not a great time necessarily for retail M&A. Does a financial investor want to take it over? Well, that's kind of, we've seen that sort of segment sort of slow down. Would like AT&T want to buy it and make it its own like at-home retail channel? I don't know. It's, you know, their, their short-term economics are tough to take on. But, I mean, again, it wasn't that long ago that analysts were calling it a disruptor. So maybe somewhere someone sees a long, long-term value in it. You know, I, and I wondered if there are just, you know, large generalist retailers out there who might see some value in it, uh, who might sell some of the categories that, that Enjoy says it. It sees an opportunity and I don't know, 
I almost wonder if a place like a department store, which the problem with that is that department stores used to be a major seller of electronics and really aren't anymore. But to the extent that some are, and I think even Macy's has gotten back into selling things like some of the Apple products, but problem is it's a category that's not doing well right now. But if if there's a more um, a department store or mass merchant that is high end enough, it could be a really good fit. I, I think it would be a similar dynamic with with anyone who's buying who would want to buy stock and enjoy. You're going to have to have a certain risk appetite because they're you're going to be taking on losses. So you're going to have to fund those losses in the at least in the near term. And they have a history of making losses. And so you got to buy it. You got to absorb some losses for a while. And you have to have a vision for how you can turn this into a, a profitable channel for yourself. But maybe there's someone out there who, who sees it. I, I honestly don't know. I haven't heard much. But uh, it'll be interesting to, to see what happens if they can if they can get some knight in shining armor to either give them give them a, a last minute loan or or to buy them buy them and I don't know <laughs> I I wish I had a crystal ball but uh, I it, it's more of a black box because we have we haven't heard much from them since their second CFO left the company and and they're at the time they're still on the verge of running out of cash so it'll be interesting to see what what happens to them. Well, you don't really need a crystal ball because you're a talented reporter. So that's really how you get the information on a, on a mysterious situation like this. After a couple of years of very weird supply and demand shocks, things seem to get a little bit better. And now retail is entering, I think, a period of some uncertainty that's going to be months long. And it sounds like Enjoy is really you know, it's even more immediate than that. So Ben, you'll be following this story. And I think whatever there is to know about them, you can read about on Retail Dive. This episode of The Backroom was produced and edited by Caroline Jansen. Please be sure to like, rate and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.